live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. That's a new open, Gruel, producing the show today and always. New open, I got it. I like it. I like it. All right, we forgive you for being late for pictures today then, huh? You see, oh, boy. See, Eric Bilstadt, you know, the, today is picture day. So That's we're, right. all, we're all dressed up for, mm-hmm. it's, it's like like fourth grade when they're taking the pictures <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And every, hair all combed. Right, nice. hair is combed and, you know, smiling. Everybody's here. Yeah. Our our session was 1030 to 11, 1035 to 11.35. They play music uh, during that time? I, I'm there. I'm there at 1030. Meet the, the photographer, you yeah. know, Miranda. We, we, we take my pictures and stuff. And then there's like some like shots that we're taking with with Gru and he's nowhere to be found Uh-oh. nowhere to be found uh because he forgot it was picture day <laughs> someone but, didn't put the photo shoot in his calendar uh, <laughs> see but you you made it before it was all over but okay all is forgiven because i like that new open so it it, it all works out speaking of it oh boy i, I was listening to eric your, your preview you know of, of stuff coming up tonight or like in sports you know what a dog game. You've got the Steelers, who've won two games, who are going nowhere, <laughs> playing the Miami Dolphins, oh, who yeah. haven't won a game at all. I mean, boy, that's must-watch television. <laughs> you know, woo. That's, woo, oh boy, that's a stinker right there. I mean, I guess if you're a hardcore Steelers fan or a, a Dolphin fan or you really have no life at all, that's the game you watch. But otherwise, woo, woo. In contrast... What a great Packers game last night! Um, my my best friend and his son we we had him over for you know dinner and watched the game and it really just it was great and 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 let's face it Wisconsin sports fans we needed the Packers to come up big after the uh, Madison debacle and then you know the Bucks blowing what a sixteen point lead or whatever kind of lead they blew to lose their home opener uh, but the Packers saved the weekend just just great and I have to freely admit I did not see seven and one coming I I just I just didn't and. And the season's only half over, and a lot can happen between now and then. But you you got to think that at least, at least for the first half of the season, if you're trying to find coach of the year, um, clearly the Packers coach needs to be one of the people you know in that conversation. All right. While the Packers game was going on last night, there was something else happening in the world of sports. And that was Game 5 of the World Series, where the Washington Nationals are in the process of one of the one of the bigger choke jobs in in recent um, baseball history, Washington Nationals team that knocked the Brewers out of the playoffs. They are in the World Series. They're playing the Houston Astros. Houston was kind of a prohibitive favorite. First two games of the series are in Houston. Washington goes in, wins those two games, wins two games on the road, and it's kind of like, all right, now you got a chance. You come back. You got three games at home. Big chance to kind of put Houston away. Instead, the Nationals have lost three games in a row. Houston sweeps them at home, and now the, the series will wrap up 
tomorrow night or the night after that as they go back to Houston. But now Houston only has to win one of two games at home. Of course, you know, the road teams won every game, but who knows? But, but, uh, the game was in Washington last night. I, I admit, I, I would check in from time to time to see how the game was going. It didn't look like that interesting a game. Houston was ahead and really never, never was, was challenged. So I missed this when it was happening because I spent most of the time watching the Packers game. But President Trump showed up at the game. He did not throw out the first pitch. He is, he has not done that since he's been the President of the United States. But he, he did show up. He was in a box. Um, and they showed him, this is, I think, either at the middle or the end of the fourth inning. He's there in the box. His wife is with him. This is the reaction from the crowd. And it went on for a while. If you, if you couldn't hear that, it was this massive chant of, of lock him up. There, there was some applause, but the, the people that were applauding were drowned out by the, the people who were booing or who were shouting, lock him up, lock him up. Obviously, a throwback to the, the Trump presidential rallies from 2016, where the chant was involving Hillary Clinton. The chant was lock her up. OK, so that that's the background. Perhaps not surprising that the reaction was like this. I, I think in the last election, President Trump got less than 10 percent of the vote in the District of Columbia. And it, it's OK. So this is not a surprise that he would be greeted like this. Maybe the chance of lock him up a little bit over the top. What's interesting is, of all sorts of defenders, today on MSNBC, Joe Scarborough, who's a former Republican congressman who's really kind of gone over to the other side, harsh Trump critic, he is talking about this reaction. And his comment is he felt it was un-American, un-American to greet the president with this crescendo of boos and the chant of lock him up. I mean, his text said, we are Americans and we do not do that. We do not want the world hearing us chant, lock him up to this president or any other president. All right, that's where I want to start the show today. Was the reaction by the crowd last night to the president appearing at this baseball game, chanting, lock him up and booing him, was that un-American? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What did you think? We discuss in just a moment. Un-American is a pretty strong term. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tell you where I come down on this, but I am curious as to your reaction. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. So President Trump gets a very rude reception when he's at the World Series Game 5 last night. And today some commentators are describing this un-American. Now, but before I start taking calls, I, I do I do want to offer, you know, one thought, one contrast on this. Uh, yesterday, big story in the New York Times about how Vladimir Putin is cracking down on any form of dissent in the Soviet Union. And they have this example of, of some woman who's like a, a newspaper writer who writes a relatively benign column that, 
you know, is mildly, and I say mildly, critical of some Russian government policies. And now she's she's being locked up, and she's looking at like seven years in prison for doing this. And the story is about how Russia, in Vladimir Putin's fifth term, is being more aggressive than ever in going out and, and grabbing people who are involved in any form of dissent and, and then locking them up to the point that even some of the people in the Soviet Union, some of the, the people allied with the government, are saying, you know, we, we got to be careful about this because by, by locking these people up, we're, we're giving these, these dissenters, we're giving them this platform that they otherwise would not have. Okay, 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, was it un-American? Florence and Delavan. Florence, you're first. Good afternoon. Um, yes, I think it was kind of un-American. But then on the other hand, I don't think that our president has really displayed being full American. I think he sets the tone on a lot of this. Mm-hmm. So you think it's just kind of that that we, we've gotten coarser as a nation over the last several years? Well, in the past couple of years. Yeah, past several years. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, there, it's, I, I see, I, I mean, I agree with you that President Trump kind of takes it to a new level, but I, I, I remember during the, the, George W. Bush years. I mean, there's, you know, there there was no, there was no love lost, a lot of hostility there too. But so would you, do you think that the crowd should be ashamed of itself for what it did? No, I don't think they should be ashamed of themselves. Did he ask this question when he was at all his rallies last year or a few years ago with Clinton when it was lock her up, lock her up? Nope, he did not. No, and he and I he I think you can make a strong argument that he encouraged, you know, that that chant. Okay, thanks for call. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Um that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Was it was it un American? And that's you know, it, it's interesting because, like the commentators, the, the the choice of words was it's not in bad taste, it's not in poor spirit, it's it's un-American. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. David in Mequon. David, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Hi, David. Uh, really quickly, I, I do think it's un-American. It's unbecoming. Um, if the shoe were on the other foot, if it was reversed and if this was done to Obama, yep. there would be outrage for racism and bigotry and everything else. And, yes, you're entitled to your free, you know, freedom of speech. But keep in mind, uh, you know, we just killed the, the number one guy now. That, right, the you know, guy, that, the, the ISIS yep. founder. Yep, yep. Yes, the ISIS founder, along with there was another raid, which isn't talked about right after that a few hours. The spokesman for ISIS, he got killed, too. He was the number two guy. And we should be commending him. Regardless, I understand he said some horrible things. But for 24 hours, can't we just compliment that there was actually this when when bin Laden was killed? There was celebrations all over the place when when this happened with Baghdadi and he's at the game, they're booing him and everything else. I, I just I think it's deplorable that uh, we're in that scenario. But, I mean, it's 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 beyond belief, actually. OK, but, thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, again, I'll tell you where I come down on this in just a minute. It, it was funny because this happened 
and I, I, I get perhaps it's fresh in my, my mind. I'm, I'm just got done reading a trilogy on World War II, and the last volume spends a lot of time with FDR and Stalin. And I'm reading a book right now on, on the Marshall Plan immediately after World War II, and it was really kind of the start of the Cold War, and and it, it's contrast the American system with Russia. Like I say, yesterday I'm reading the story about how Putin is just cracking down on on any form of dissent at, at all. And, you know, here, of course, in contrast, you have 40,000 people booing. I don't know how many people did it, but you can hear lots of people were doing, you know, booing the president and chanting, lock him up. Deborah in Pewaukee. Deborah, you're on WTMJ. Hi. De- Hi, Deborah. What do you think? Un-American? Uh, I think that's the wrong word to use. I think that that's people for what they're Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Deborah. Your phone was cutting out. Cheryl in Oak Creek. Cheryl, you're on WTMJ. Hi there. Hi, Cheryl. Um, yeah, I I do think it's a little un-American. I I feel that regardless of your party, regardless of what you know how you voted, I believe that you should support our president. And mm-hmm. I think it was just a little bit beyond what should have been done mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's I, I guess i i mean i'm the one that posed the question that way do do i think it was in poor taste and, and my answer would be yes it was definitely in poor taste and it definitely I, I don't know what kind of message it sends to the rest of the world that you have people chanting you know lock him up so i, I think it was in poor taste i'm not sure cheryl i'm willing to go and say i think it was un-american simply because that, that freedom of speech that we have to criticize our leaders, to me, that is distinctly American. And I don't want to live in the Soviet Union where some commentator says something, you know, moderately critical of the government and they end up getting locked up and sent to prison for seven years. So I poor taste. Yeah. Un-American. I'm having trouble with that description. Yeah. I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. I just feel like as Americans, we should support our president. Yes. And, and and I think that's where I see it as that's why I took it more as un-American. Not that we can't have freedom of speech. Absolutely. You can have whatever opinion you want. But I agree that when you're shouting something like that to the president as the world to see. Right. You know, we need to stand behind them and yes. go from there. No, so. it, it, right. And it, I mean, and that's the I mean, thanks. For, I mean, seeing that. There is, I mean, the world is watching, and, and that is that is an issue. And I, I concede as well, our, our first caller, David from Mequon, you know, his point that if if there had been a reaction like this to Barack Obama, for example, or Bill Clinton, for example, it, it, to, to that extent, there, there would have been other sort of issues raised, you know, what's really going on here. At the same time, I mean, President Trump is a polarizing figure, and he had to expect that something like this, I think, was going to happen. Jim in Brookfield. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Jim. Long-time listener. Love your show. Thank you, sir. Um, <clears throat> didn't at one point when Trump was running for president that he was at a rally and he was like, yeah, Hillary Clinton needs to be locked up. Mm-hmm. And then they started chanting that. And yep. then he went along and chanted that with them. Well, or at least inc- or didn't stop the crowd. Yeah, I mean, that lock her up thing has been something that I think it's fair to say he at least encouraged, if did not if not participated in. I think that's fair. Absolutely. Is it? So I, I disagree with you on that. 
because I remember him joining the crowd. Lock her up. Lock her up. Lock her up. Isn't that un-American also? Well, I I guess, is is it un-American or is it in kind of poor taste? Because i got to tell you, when they did that, I cringed at that because I thought... I thought it was in poor taste, and I thought it was, I thought it was way over the top. Um, I, sir, I cringed at when that happened with Trump when he was running for president, mm-hmm. and I cringed at what happened the other night. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think, I don't think that should be happening. But mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of this has been brought on by our president. Well, there's there's no question he. I mean, th- thanks. I mean, there's there's no question that that that's the the origin of this. And I guess that's see that's kind of where I I come down on this. Um, I I think it was in poor taste. I I do, and I think I think the office of the presidency is entitled to a certain level of respect, regardless of who the occupant is. And, and so, do I think? Do, do I again? I'm going to leave it like that. Do I do I think it was in poor taste? Yes. Un-American though is a whole different thing. And actually, my reaction was unlike in the Soviet Union, where you get locked up for just the, the mildest form of dissent. To me, I, I think some of this stuff is really it's it's quintessentially American. You can you can you can criticize the powerful. You can speak to your leaders. You can voice criticism. And you know what? You get to go home at night. So do I think it's un-American? I think that's the wrong term. Poor taste? Absolutely. Sending the wrong message to the world? Absolutely. But but un-American? I don't think so. Dan in New Berlin. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Un-American? Uh-huh. No, I, I, was, I think it's just the opposite. I think I agree with you that freedom of speech, you know, that's what, you know, yeah, that's what America's about. We should be able to voice our opinion. Um, does the rest of the world care? Honest to goodness, I think if you asked, uh, I don't know, some Parisian this morning, did you hear about the baseball game and the brewing? They'd go, what are you talking? I mean, I don't right. think anyone's paying as close of attention as we like uh, to think. Um, having traveled over there, they don't know what's going on, and they've got their own problems, boys, right. jobs, and whatever. Um, as far as, you know, yeah, I mean, Donald Trump does bring a lot of this on himself. I mean, he called never Trumpers human scum. He yep. called the press the uh, enemy of the people. I mean, if you talk about un-American stuff, uh, I mean, for a bunch of baseball fans to book as compared to the president of the United States to speak, I mean, I, you know, I think there's different, you right. know, you know, different. You know, it's not the president uh, booing. Uh, it's uh, baseball fans. So, well, well right. And and it's. Yeah. I mean, thanks for calling. And the truth of the matter is, um, this happens to politicians all the time. I mean that that's that. that you know, it, it's it's not a surprise. President Bush used to throw out first pitches at baseball games. He would actually do that. And I can remember there was applause and there was booing. Um, same thing, you know, true when, when other presidents, you know, make appearances. That's just always kind of been the nature of the beast. W- would I have done this yesterday? No. Regardless of whether it was President Trump or President Obama or President Clinton, no, because I think the office deserves a degree of respect. So, I mean, I would say bad taste. To me, though, un-American, and I just think about it that line, I, in many respects, I think it might be the exact opposite of un-American. It might be quintessentially American. All right, do I have to take a break before I go to the news? I do. Back with uh, Melissa in just a moment. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
one of the great things about America is that people get second chances. One of the bad things about America is that people get fourth or fifth or sixth or seven chances. And and as a result, people don't learn their lesson. Now, there's a story the Journal Sentinel wrote about this morning that I want to discuss with you. It talks about a guy named Jack Gramza, 57-year-old man now from Oak Creek, August 19th of 2018, so over a year ago, he's driving his vehicle, and the police notice that the truck is weaving from lane to lane without signaling on South 27th Street. They pull him over. He tells police he'd been drinking at some place called Iron Mike's. His preliminary blood te- his preliminary breath test shows a 0.162 blood alcohol concentration, which is more than twice the legal limit. Okay, so he, he gets arrested. Now, why are we talking about this? People get stopped for drunk driving all the time. Well, all right, this was not this man's first time at the rodeo. In fact, he had been convicted on previous occasions for drunken driving in 2003, 2005, 2006, and 2012. As a matter of fact, when he was convicted of this August of 2018 arrest, convicted the following March, March of this year, that was his seventh drunk driving conviction. And as we all know, that, you know, the, the police and, and the cops are really good. This is never an indictment of police. But l- let's face it, they're not good enough to catch somebody every time they drive drunk. That's just the reality. So this was the seventh time that this man had been caught and convicted of drunk driving. So he appears in front of a Milwaukee County judge, Pedro Colon. And Pedro Colon is a former lawmaker. And if you're a regular listener to this program, I I, I don't consider Pedro Colon to be one of the most impressive lights on the Milwaukee County bench. But regardless, he appears in front of Judge Colon. And Colon issues a sentence. Sentences him to three years incarceration. Seventh offense drunk driving. Three years incarceration. Three more on supervised release, a $600 fine. He revokes his license and he requires an ignition interlock when and if the guy drives again. Okay, so, but three years, three years in prison, which I think is something that, you know, seventh offense drunk driving, most of us would say, all right, that, that seems appropriate. Well, here's the problem. The judge at the same time also says, He believes that this guy is eligible for what they call the earned release program. The earned release program is something that the Department of Correction does, which essentially allows, they try to identify people who might have substance abuse problems. And it's aimed at offenders convicted of nonviolent, non-assaultive crimes that they believe you know can be traced to drug or alcohol problems so it's a full-time intensive curriculum trying to you know again get people to stop drinking or stop taking drugs or whatever so the judge says you're eligible for this right the guy gets accepted for the to the program almost immediately after he goes in he qualified so he goes through the program and it's a couple months long goes through it 
And now, apparently, he is eligible for release after only six months. So because he participates in this program, doesn't have to serve three years, he has to serve only six months. Now, Judge Cologne has rotated out of this, so the case now goes to Judge David Borowski, who's been you know, on uh, my show on multiple occasions before, and Judge Borowski is saying, well, wait a second, before I, I let this guy out, I mean, I, I want to know, in Wisconsin, we have a law that says, you know, There's mandatory terms of incarceration for people who are convicted of seven offense drunk driving. You know what? How how can I let him out if there's a mandatory jail sentence that's associated with this? All right, our number four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now I want to be real clear here. I am not opposed to people getting help for their substance abuse problems, And, and if it takes. You know, getting convicted of crimes and getting sent to prison that finally motivates people to go and participate in these programs. I I think that that's fine. And I think, you know, maybe you you should get at least some credit for trying to better yourself. But the idea that you could carve two and a half years thereabouts off a prison sentence after seventh offense drunk driving for participating in some substance abuse program is to me absolutely and totally ridiculous. And if our goal is to deter multiple offenders from driving drunk over and over again, what message does it send if you say, okay, we, we've now caught you fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth time. Here, you participate in this program, and we're going to let you out right away. Should the guy be allowed to participate in the program? Absolutely. Do I think it, do I hope it helps him, you know, lick whatever substance abuse problems he has? Because at some point in time, he's going to be back out on the street. But to say that you could essentially get out of jail free for going into one of these programs is to me nuts. 414-799-1620. That's the accurate mortgage talk and text line now if you were talking about maybe a first offense drunk driver maybe a second offense drunk driver do do i could i see something like that absolutely like i said at the beginning of the program at the beginning of this topic great thing about america people get second chances people get third chances but but fifth sixth seventh time how can we not hold people responsible 414-799-1620 let's start with mark in kenosha mark good afternoon Yeah, you know, I think it's absolutely absurd that we can have what we call repeat offenders, people that will sit there and commit the crime over and over and over again, and yet still somehow escape consequence, get off the hook like this, and be put right back in the same position where they can continue to break the law like they previously have been with little to no repercussion. I mean, second chance, sure. Third chance, maybe, okay. But like five, six, seven times? It's just absolutely absurd. Where do we draw the line? Well, well, exactly. And look, and I, I think the, if they've got effective substance abuse programs that can help people stop drinking or you know solve their their drug problems, I'm all in favor of it. But at the same time, that that shouldn't be a get out of jail free card that lets somebody who's been convicted five, six, seven times walk out serving only a fraction of their sentence. It's just wrong. We we need to turn things around in this country and start holding people accountable for their illegal actions 
especially when you see that, that repeat behavior of that same occurrence over and over and over. And I'm sorry, I mixed the stories up. I, I thought we were still talking about the president. Yeah. But uh, the, the same thing rang, rings true. No matter what you're talking about, if someone's breaking the law, they need consequences not to just get left off the hook, because otherwise you are enabling them, and you're just as responsible as they are for the people that are harmed afterwards. Exactly. Thanks for calling. And again, this is not an indictment of the, this program. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I'm all in favor of it. Like I say, if if you can, if you can change the behaviors that cause people to want to get, you know, drink or take dope or whatever, and get behind the wheel of a car, I, I'm all in favor. Of it. So I'm not knocking the program, but I, I am. I'm talking about the, the the quid pro quo, to use that phrase, that you take that program and all of a sudden you convert a mandatory multiple-year sentence into, I'm going to walk away. That that can't be right. Should the guy be allowed to take the program? Absolutely. Do I hope it helps him? Absolutely, because he's going to be getting out of jail at some point in time. I'm just saying it shouldn't be a get-out-of-jail-free card. Jason in Watertown. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Hey. Hi, Jason. Um, I am a graduate of the earned release program. Okay. Um, I got out in 2009. I was sentenced to two years in and three years on supervision. Uh, but it took me 11 and a half months to work my way out. Okay. And work is the operative term. They work your can off. Mm-hmm. But to let him out in six months, no. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of curious, how, what, did, did, were, were you incarcerated because of like uh, OWI or something like that? Opioid addiction. Okay. Prescription fraud. Got it. Okay, got it. Um, And I was, I mean, I was seriously hooked. Right. They got me clean, and I haven't used an opioid since. Right. So the program, and see, and that, that's my point. I have, I, I, this is not an indictment. It's not a beef against the program because the program apparently has, you know, some really good success rates. I'm just, right. to, to me, it's just, I, I have no problem with the guy participating in the program. It's just I, six but, months on a three-year sentence. That's yeah, where no, my I, issue is. No, no I, I, I maybe got out in, in half, just under half the time that I was sentenced to. And I think maybe that would be more justifiable than, right. you know, a six-month walk. I mean, you know, because the program is actually six months long. Right. Right. Yeah, and he apparently got accepted pretty much right away. Normally there's kind of a waiting period, but somehow yeah, this guy got in it right right away. So there, yeah, no, it, took me, it took me a while. It took me a while to get in. Yeah, got it. And, well, you know, I mean, and it's, I, I mean, don't get it wrong. I, I was in Chippewa Valley, and... and you know, it was an old converted mental hospital. But trust me, when you see the concertina wire around the right. Well, thanks for and again, Jason. I, I and first of all, congratulations on being clean and sober. This is not a criticism of the program at all, and I think you get it. It's just. You and I, I have no problem with trying to incentivize this. Hey, you want a little bit of time off your sentence here? We'll, we'll encourage you to go seek this kind of treatment thing, and it's grueling and apparently works, and that's all great. That's all great. But at the same time, we're not talking about a first or second or even a third time offender. We're talking about somebody convicted seven times. There needs to be, at least in my opinion, some penalty that gets attached to this. And it just didn't happen in the system. And by the way, like I say, the legislature has imposed mandatory minimum sentences on multiple drunk drivers. And I don't think the Department of Correction should be – I don't think they've got the authority to, to just release people before that just because you participated in a program. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
We're being swamped with texts today, and many of them are fascinating. Here, here's a couple. Jeff, my daughter was in for three convictions for drunk driving. She was sentenced to 18 months in prison. She did the program that you're talking about and got out in about four months. Pause. Then the texter, that's just not right in my books either. And he's talking about his daughter. He said, you know, this is just, it's just not right. Jeff, my stepson just got out in August, seven-time drunk driver. He was put in an accelerated release program. He spent one year and seven months in prison. Frustrated doesn't cover it. In other words, this is a situation, stepson, he's frustrated that the stepson is released that soon. I mean, see, this is where... See, this is the disconnect that I still still think exists between you know the court system and to an extent the lawmakers and the general public. I understand that it costs a bunch of money to put people in prison, and I understand that the the trend nowadays is towards these. Well, b- back in my time, they'd call them restorative justice programs. Let's 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 not punish people. Let's let's not put them in prison. Let's give them chances to, you know, work and make money and pay restitution and try to get their lives in order. And once again, I I don't have a problem with that in, in the abstract. But when you have people that commit crime after crime after crime, at some point in time, there needs to be, I think, a punishment component in addition to the rehabilitation component. And the punishment component is, all right, this is the seventh time you got drunk and got behind the wheel of the car and got caught and got convicted. And yes, we're going to send you to prison, and we hope you take advantage of every one of those treatment options that are out there because, again, at some point in time, you're going to get out. And, And we really hope that when you get out, you can make the right decisions and to not get behind the wheel of a car after you get liquored up or, or whatever. We really want you to we want to do everything we can to help you beat your addiction. All in favor of those programs. But this idea that we have to give you this giant carrot to make you want to help yourself. And that carrot being in this case, we're going to knock off two, two and a half years off your three year sentence. To me, that's where the nutsy part comes in. There's got to be a degree of punishment together with the rehabilitation or else there's no incentive. Here, I'm going to drive drunk. I'm going to drive drunk. I'm going to drive drunk. And, you know, if I get caught, well, I'll, I'll go into the program and then they're going to just let me out if I promise that I'm going to do fine. And then what do you do the next time when the person backslides? The program doesn't work. They get themselves drunk and they hit and kill somebody. At that point in time, do you say, oh, I'm sorry that this this didn't work? No, there's got to be consequences that go along with behavior. Just saying. Many employers force employees to sign non-compete agreements. Then if you change jobs, are laid off, or fired, they send a threatening letter or sue to stop you from working. Attorney Robert Kors has more than 25 years' experience responding aggressively to threatening letters and fighting successfully to defeat non-competes in court. Call attorney Robert Corris at 414-272-8000. This is attorney Robert Corris. I'll fight for you to defeat your non-compete. Call me at 414-272-8000. W277-CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. And this is Jeff Wagner. So, Groove, I've now I've got your birthday present all lined up here for your next birthday. No, it's not going to be a sweater, and it's not going to be a gift certificate to a restaurant or a bottle of wine or a bottle of bourbon or beer or anything. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, here's the deal. There's this company that's out there. Um, It's a Chicago-based company. It's called Cameo. And what happens is uh, 
they have all these, I would say B-list, but it's really not B-list. It's like these D-list celebrities that are, are on board. And what they will do for a fee is they will make either a video or recorded phone call for you for your birthday. So that that's it. Stormy Daniels, Stephanie Clifford, for 250 bucks, I can get her to send you a personalized video wishing you happy birthday, talking a little bit about your life based on the script that I offer, and then ending the video with a quote-unquote seductive wink. So I'm thinking, hmm, 250 bucks. I can get you. I mean, anybody can get you a sweater. Anybody can get you a bottle of wine. Anybody can get you a gift certificate to a nice restaurant. But, but a personalized video from Stormy Daniels. I'm telling you, I'm thinking maybe that's for your birthday next year. Or maybe not. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Derek Bilstead, you were talking off the air. Katie Hill, that's the congresswoman, the rising star congresswoman from yeah. California who resigns after not finishing out her first term because, well, she says it's revenge porn. Um, she's one of the leaders of the Me Too movement, but apparently... She was uh, sleeping with all sorts of different people, including staffers mm-hmm. and campaign people, and um, the, the soon-to-be ex-husband blows the whistle on that. Yeah, he did. Holy cow! That's <laughs> yeah. It yeah. It's it's one of those things. It's interesting the way this is playing out because she's now this is being perceived. Oh, this is revenge porn because for people who have been familiar familiar with this, you know, she kind of came to power as part of one of the the spokespeople for the Me Too movement, right. and you know, people in positions of power shouldn't be using that power to you know get access to sex and stuff like that. And there's reports that she was sleeping with a campaign aide and with one of the staffers and things like that. And then it gets weirder than that. But it's it's the husband. The soon-to-be ex-husband blew the, blew the whistle on that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, he did. Holy yeah. cow. Well, I mean, see, to me, the, the ultimate lesson is that for, for people who think it's just men who do this kind of stuff, you know, she's kind of the object lesson. of No, it, it is kind of a – it is sort of a, a two-way street. But, yeah, she – she was all over MSNBC. I mean, she was one of like these rising stars, and you used to see her on TV all the time, particularly talking about the Me Too movement. And maybe what's that old thing they say about people who, who live in glass houses perhaps shouldn't go on TV and talk about other people's sexual pe- peccadilloes, perhaps. That's that's the lesson here. <laughs> that's the lesson there, right, exactly. All right, there is... There, there, there's a story out of Wisconsin, and it, it involves a very, very prominent politician who I think is demonstrating how this happens every once in a while, that you can be both right and, in my opinion, wrong at the same time. Robin Voss, who is the Speaker of Assembly, and, the, the Assembly, and I've known Robin for gosh, 25 years or, or so, and I, I think he does – I think he does a very good job in general. That that job, you're herding cats, and I understand he gets criticized for different things, and we haven't always seen eye to eye, but that doesn't mean that I, I don't think on balance he does a pretty good job. He, he gives a presentation the other day, and he's talking about how Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee and the county of Milwaukee, has... Well, I mean, has screwed up spending priorities and, and has been you know engaged in lots of wasteful uses of taxpayer dollars. 
And Voss is absolutely correct. I mean, I you know, point point in fact, you, you look, I mean, the, the county wants to spend millions of dollars. We talked about this last week for a, a bus rapid transit line, millions of dollars for a bus rapid transit line that would get rid of a, a lane of traffic along Wisconsin Avenue and Blue Mound Road between downtown and the medical college um, at a cost of. Well, they, they need a federal grant to, to do this, but but they're willing to pony millions of dollars up themselves at a cost of like I think sixty million dollars. You could knock eight whole minutes off the ride from downtown Milwaukee to the medical college. Eight eight whole minutes for like sixty million dollars. It, it's one of the craziest things that I've ever heard. And and by the way, in addition to this, you're gonna take away a lane of traffic, you're gonna make it difficult to get into certain businesses, you're gonna take away parking all for like a couple minutes. I mean it's just it's nuts at a cost of tens of millions of dollars. Now I don't think it's gonna happen because they, they need tens of millions of dollars to come from the federal government, but that's an example of some of just that the harebrained wasteful spending that you have in, in Milwaukee County. City of Milwaukee no better. I mean object number one of course is the you know, the example number one is Tom's trolley folly, where it, it now appears that they never intended to charge for this, and you're going to have to dip into city revenues to come up with operating costs for this trolley. So, I mean, that's you know that that's example number one. Where, where do we start? You know, the city of Milwaukee wants to take millions of dollars and give it to this developer to build a, a boutique hotel at the site of the old steer store on like Fond du Lac and North Avenues, which I think almost everybody would agree is probably the worst location to build a high-end boutique hotel in the in, in probably in the five-county region. The the bankers won't touch it. Private financiers won't touch it. Even the the city's own um, the people that, that do the numbers they're saying there, there's no way. Even after we give out all this money, and even if this thing get built, it, it's it's not going to be worth what we're putting in. But yet the city of Milwaukee is is hell bent on doing this. So when Robin Voss says. Milwaukee County is not a good shepherd of taxpayers' dollars. He's right. When Robin Voss says the city of Milwaukee, not a good shepherd of taxpayer dollars, he's absolutely right. But here's where we diverge, and this is what I want to talk to you about. The Milwaukee County wants permission from the state to have a binding referendum which would increase the county's sales tax from 0.5% where it is now to 1.5%. They estimate that if you did this, it would generate as much as $160 million in its first year, and it would be used to fund countywide priorities in the face of, like, um, Revenue from the state that's been been stable, hasn't been increasing. Part of this money that would come into Milwaukee County would also go to the city of Milwaukee. And that's what Tom Barrett's been doing. He's been saying, well, I'm going to have to cut 60 police positions if I don't if I don't get this referendum and it doesn't go go through. Now, I happen to think that's all BS. I mean, I, I happen to think that. There's no way in the world that Tom Barrett, who is running for, presumably running for re-election next April, seriously has any intention of cutting 60 police positions. But it's easier to get attention saying, okay, I've got to have this done because if you don't do it, 
I'm going to get rid of some aides to aldermen and some of, you know, my my assistants in City Hall. Well, that everybody's going to say, well, fine, you know, get rid of them. When you say we're going to get rid of police positions, well, it, it gets people's uh, attention. So I don't think he's serious about doing that. But anyways, that's what he says. He said, we need this money. We need to have this referendum. Now, just because you go to a referendum doesn't mean that the voters in Milwaukee County are going to sign off on it. Now, the powers that be seem to think that's going to happen. I don't know that that's the case. But the interesting thing is, before you can have this binding referendum, the state legislature has to give permission for it. That's the way it's all set up. And Robin Voss is saying, well, I don't think Milwaukee's been a very good steward of money, so you know we're kind of reluctant to do that. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I think... If Robin Voss had come out and said both Milwaukee County and the city of Milwaukee spend money like drunken sailors, and that is perhaps an insult to drunken sailors, I think he would have been correct, and I wouldn't criticize him for that. However, to me, I'm a big advocate of local control, and if if taxpayers in Milwaukee County want to raise their county sales tax from 0.5% to 1.5%, I think that they should have the right to do it. Now, I don't live in Milwaukee County anymore, and if I did live in Milwaukee County, I would be voting no on that. But but if voters in the county want to raise their sales tax, shouldn't they be allowed to do that? Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And please understand, this is different from saying... Should the sales tax be raised? This question is, should the voters in a particular county have the right to decide if they want to raise their taxes? And and my answer to that would be yes. This is the ultimate local control. Just like we allow school boards, you know, and voters in school districts to vote on school referendums deciding if they want to pay more. I think it's the same principle, and I think Milwaukee County should have every right to say to the voters, do you want to give us permission to raise the sales tax? And then the people that oppose it can make the case about how, well, you know, if we raise the sales tax, chances are they're just going to pee it away anyways. Vote no. That's a different issue. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should voters in Milwaukee County be able to decide if they want to raise their sales tax? My answer would be, Yes. 414-799-1620. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's a text, Jeff. Uh it's easy to pay for. The trolley costs 60 police officers. We can just get rid of 200 or more police officers for the trolley. Well, I, and, see, and that's the problem that, that Tom Barrett has in trying to go to the state legislature and plead poverty. It's the problem that Chris Abley, you know, who's stepping down as county executive, has to try to go to the legislature and plead poverty when they, they spend money here. Let's put in a bus rapid transit system that nobody really thinks that you need. Let's tear up parking. Let's tear up a lane of traffic. And what we're going to do? Well, we're going to have these buses that can get you out there eight minutes quicker if you ride the whole route. I mean, really? 
I mean, and, and then you come up with these cockamamie projections about how many riders are going to be on the buses by 2035, projections that make absolutely no sense at all. So that's – it, it's tough to take Milwaukee County and the city of Milwaukee seriously when they end up pleading poverty. To me, though, that's not the issue. I think there are some things that, candidly, I, I think that you need a statewide policy for. There are other things that it's a matter of local control, and a local sales tax, to me, is is one of them. And just like we allow schools to have ref school districts to have referendums, and you know we've got a statewide budget cap on stuff, but we allow school districts, the voters in those districts, go and decide. You know, gee, we want to tax ourselves more to pay for this or pay for that in the school system. Just like I think that is the ultimate matter of local control, I think this is the same thing. Other counties, other communities have been given the authority to have binding votes on whether or not to increase their sales tax or not. And I think, you know, Milwaukee should be in that category. Now, again, this isn't saying that, you know, you should vote for that. And one of the arguments is going to be the Miller Park sales tax is going to sunset relatively soon this year, maybe next year. Um, so the idea is going to be, well, you know, we can just kind of, well, that's going to go away. We'll have this new vote. We'll put in the new sales tax. People in Milwaukee County won't even notice it. Well, I, I don't know if that's the case or not, but I think the elected officials should have the right to make that decision. People in Milwaukee County should have the right to decide whether they want to vote for that. And people who live outside of Milwaukee County should then have the right to decide whether or not they want to shop in Milwaukee County, knowing that they're going to have to pay that extra sales tax that they wouldn't have to pay if they bought goods in Washington County or in Waukesha County or Racine County or Ozaki County or Dodge County or any of the other areas around. But let them vote. And then we'll see you know, what ends up happening. The interesting thing would be if they let them vote, if the voters end up saying no, what really is the plan B? Because like I say, I don't think Tom Barrett is serious about wanting to cut 60 police positions, period. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I'm not honestly sure that I would have told her either. Big news, of course, over the weekend is the successful U.S. military action in Syria that resulted in the death of ISIS leader Abdul Bakar al-Baghdadi. All right. And of course, President Trump in a 48 minute announcement yesterday morning, you know, talked about this raid, U.S. led raid, northwestern Syria, and, and they got Baghdadi, 48 years old. Apparently, what happened is they confronted him. He killed himself and three children detonating a suicide vest in a tunnel while being pursued by U.S. troops. This is a it, it's a big deal. It's up there. It's up there with, you know, the death of Osama bin Laden. There's no question about this. And again, it's I I understand that there's people out there who don't want to give President Trump credit for anything. And, And it's also, I think, some legitimate issues as to whether or not he takes too much credit for stuff and whether or not uh, the, the, the killing of this particular terrorist 
whether that was made more difficult or made easier by our announced decision to, you know, abandon the Kurds. Th- those are all those are all discussions that, you know, c- people can have and people can debate. But the bottom line is it's something that regardless of whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, um, but regardless of whether you're conservative or whether you're liberal, this is something it is a good day. You have a terrorist leader and kind of the ideological face of this terrorist movement who is gone now. And and the world is a safer place because of this. Well, because it is President Trump and because we live in such a polarized environment, there, there's, there's a lot of still nitpicking and there's a lot of people objecting to this or that or the other thing. And the, the discussion that we're getting right now is the fact that in advance of this military action, President Trump did not notify all congressional leaders. Apparently he did, and, and the way this works is that there's typically, there's a protocol. There's not a law, but there's typically a, a protocol that when there's a high-level military operation being conducted, what will typically happen is the president will call together leaders of Congress, both Republicans and Democrats, and he will brief them on on the action. Now, some of it, to be honest, is a sort of a, a cover-your-butt thing, because if the raid, if the action goes wrong, well, then it's tougher to criticize the president because he can always say, well, you know, I, I had all these leaders in. I had these Democrats that were in the room or Republicans in that were in the room, and, and nobody voiced any objections back then. So a lot of times notifying congressional leaders to get, again, feedback from them is, is a cover-your-butt sort of moment. But in any event, what happened is typically this is, you know, that's the protocol. You bring Republicans, you bring Democrats together, and you tell them what is going on. Uh he did not contact and invite Nancy Pelosi, didn't tell them in advance as to what he's going to do. She apparently you know, found out at the same time a number of everybody else found out when he was announcing this. And so this has, of course, created this issue in the media. Oh, she should have told them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he said, no, I didn't tell her. I didn't notify Pelosi. I wanted to make sure this was kept secret. I didn't want to have men lost and women. I, I did not want to have people lost. Um, he said, I was going to notify congressional leaders before or while this was undergoing, but I decided not to do that because Washington leaks like I've never seen it. Washington is a leaking machine, and I told my people we will not notify them until our military are out, not just in, but out. I don't want to have them greeted with firepower like you would not believe. Well, obviously, you know, Nancy Pelosi extremely upset that she was not included. Now, as it's emerging, um, more and more of this is it, it turns out that, that they don't necessarily think it was directed as much at Pelosi as at the House Intelligence Committee chairman, Adam Schiff, who's kind of leading a lot of the impeachment inquiries. And, you know, Trump saying, look, I, I just. Schiff in particular, the guy leaks stuff right and left, and if I told congressional leadership, he would find out, and I was afraid he would leak stuff. All right, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. There is no law that says he has to notify congressional leaders of this. 
There is kind of a protocol, but there's no law that says that. He says, hey, look, given this environment here, I was afraid that, you know, this information would leak out if I shared it. I decided not to do it. Should we criticize the president for this decision? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. He makes the conscious decision. I'm not telling him because I think that they would leak some of the information out. All right. Was he right? Was he wrong? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Okay, th- this is the issue today involving the, the successful military action taking out the ISIS leader over the weekend. President Trump made the conscious decision not to notify congressional leadership, specifically not Nancy Pelosi, not other Democrats. He said, I, I was concerned that this was going to leak. Essentially, he's saying, I don't trust them, and so I decided not to do that. This is not a violation of the law. He doesn't have to, but it is a violation of, well, it, it's against, it's, it violates protocol. Typically, when there's military actions, you bring together both Democrats and Republicans, and you tell them it's going on. Do you fault the president? Nathan in Wauwatosa. Hi, Nathan. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Okay, do you fault the president for this? Uh, no, I don't, especially with how partisan everything is these days. You can't trust their intentions, whether it's leaking or trying to make you fail. And this, the mission just goes so above and beyond politics that. Right. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean, thank I 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I agree. And, and look, I, and this is, it is a sad reflection that we have moved so far, and it's not just under the Trump era. I mean, it, it, this is this has been coming for a while. But, you know, it used to be that when Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill, who was the Speaker of the House, the equivalent of Trump and Nancy Pelosi back then, you know, they, they, they could just go at each other with hammer and tongs during the day and get together and have a cocktail at night. And, and there was a degree of trust. It is unfortunate that you have no such trust that exists but it is in fact a two-way street and and i from trump's perspective i get it i i understand and do i think that he's got paranoid tendencies from time to time yeah but like i always say just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't out to get you and you know you've got this situation where you've got the potential loss of life you've got this military action that's going on notifying the congressional leaders while this is going on doesn't change the dynamic. I mean, you've given the go-ahead. It's happening. So, you know, whether they know about it, when they find out about it, it really doesn't make that much difference. Like I say, congressional leaders are typically brought in, in some respects, to give cover for the decision, because then the president afterwards, if it goes bad, can say, all right, I I told you, you didn't voice any objections to it. In, In this case, there is a complete and total breakdown of trust. And, and you, you look at what's going on with the impeachment proceedings that some of you think are completely appropriate and others of you think are just terrible. But I understand why there's this lack of trust that's there. I'm not surprised under the circumstances that President Trump did not offer this consultation. And you know, would anybody have leaked it? I don't know if if there are some people, and I'm not saying it's Nancy Pelosi, but it's not just Pelosi, I, I think that there are some people, if they felt that there was an advantage to be gained 
by exposing this and, and hurting President Trump in some way, would I have put it above some people to do it? And the answer is is no. In any event, I I understand why Trump did this. 414-799-1620. The risk, of course, is if the, if the mission had, had gone bad, well, then, you know, you're, you're out there on a limb all by yourself. Steve in Green Bay. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hi, how are you? Real well, thank you. Okay, do you thank fault the president for not bringing people in in advance? Absolutely not. I think, you know, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, I wouldn't trust, especially after what went on with Adam Schiff right. and everybody else. There's no trust there. You're putting military people's lives at risk, and I, I do not put it past the Democrats to try to exploit it, even at the cost of someone in our military getting killed or injured. So I... I give him credit for taking a risk and doing it. And, you know, once again, another reason to vote for him in 2020. Well, I mean, thanks. Thanks. That, that's out there. there. There's no question about it. And the, the, I mean, there's no. He owns this. So if if it had not worked out, if you had had this turn out to be a failure, and you have the American troops that walk into uh, an ambush or something like that, and they end up getting killed, that that's. That result would be squarely on the president. In this case, it didn't. It didn't happen like that. So, you know, the, the military gets the success, and he, I think, should get the credit for you know giving the military the go ahead. But given an environment where there's absolutely no trust, I'm not surprised that he did it. It's unfortunate. It's a sad commentary, but I at least understand why he did it. Marcus on the east side. Marcus, you're on WTMJ. Hey, uh, excellent show as, as usual. Uh, my, I, I'm coming from the opposite opinion. What's next? The nuclear codes, he launches a nuclear missile. You have to still follow protocol. The Republicans keep saying follow the process, right? right. There is no leaks where it came from this. But if you set the precedent that he continues to go beyond the congressional system of the process, and that's what you Republicans keep talking about, what's next? Let's say he launches a nuclear missile. Well, I didn't need to tell anyone because it was something I need to do. And then please expound now. Why did you thank Russia four times? Thank you. Well, I guess the the for Russia, he notified Russia because apparently you know it was important because you were conducting these this this raid in, in areas where there were Russians and things like that. I, I mean. I think you got to look at this case by case by by case. We're not talking about a unilateral decision to, you know, launch a nuclear weapon. We're talking about a military raid which is within his authority to order. President Obama ordered military raids like this, one that successfully led to the the, the the death of Osama bin Laden, for example. And he deserves credit for doing that. President Bush offered, you know, authorized raids as well. So this isn't necessarily, it's not this sort of unique thing. The only unique thing is who you told about it. The president has the authority to do this, and I, I think it is within the president's discretion to decide who he decides to bring into this. And I understand why President Trump, I, you, you say, oh, none of this would have leaked out. I, I, I don't know. I, I You would like to think no, but this is such a hyper-partisan era where you have people that are just, 
I mean, either hell bent on taking down this president at, at particular, you know, at almost any cost, or alternatively, at, at boosting the president at sort of any cost. I understand why he probably made this decision, especially since he was already committed. This wasn't one where you're inviting congressional leadership in and asking their opinions. Gee, I, I'm thinking about doing this or that or the other thing. This was one where they had give, they had made the decision. They were going ahead. They were going to do the raids. So the only question becomes, when do you notify uh, you know the, the folks in Congress that you've done this? And by the way, while he did tell two Republican senators, it's not like he brought in Republican leadership and discussed this either. He decided in this particular case to play this close to the vest. And could he have done it another way? Yes. Would it have been as successful? The answer is probably yes. But in this particular case, he decided to keep it to himself. And I don't think it's fair to criticize him for this decision. Now, let's look if there's going to be another military, you know, intervention ordered, like, you know, threatening to drop an atomic bomb or something. Well, okay, that's that's a whole different story. But in this particular case, I don't think he was under any obligation to consult Nancy Pelosi. And I'm not going to rip him for not doing it, especially knowing that she's going to pass this information on to other people who may be less responsible with it um, than she would be. Just saying. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Tony, did you watch any of the World Series last night? I did. I caught some of it. Okay. Um, earlier on the show, we talked about when they showed President Trump and people were chanting, lock him up and all that. Did you have to be watching then? Um, I did not. I saw oh, it on Twitter, though. Right, okay, got it. All right, did you see the other thing that happened in the stands at the World Series in the seventh inning? Again, I didn't catch it live, but uh, you, thankful you've for seen Twitter. It. You yes. got it on Twitter. Gru, did you see that? It... Is this the home run guy? No, 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 no. This, this is the two young women. Oh, no, I didn't see this. Okay, well, no, well, then, as Tony says, you know, you, you want to check out Twitter. No, what happens is, <laughs> World Series, Game 7, I mean, I'm sorry, fifth game, um, middle of the seventh inning, and, you know, what what's happening is, you know, Houston at the time, I think they're ahead, yeah, they're ahead four to nothing at the time, and so there's, you know, people are a little bit depressed. There's these two young women. They're in the second row right behind home plate. They're, they're, so think front row Amy, except they're like a row or so behind him. They, they stand up. And while the Houston pitcher is getting ready to pitch, they stand up and they pull up their shirts, exposing their breasts. And this went out on national TV. Um, uh, it's, you're, you, you, Tony, right? Yep, yep. Yep, exactly. And apparently they are, this was not an accidental sort of thing. And, and at least the, the one of the two, I mean, the, the breasts are exposed for quite a while. And, you know, it's, and it's like the Houston Astros pitcher, he's got Garrett Cole, he's kind of, he's smiling, you know, because it's, it's, it's clearly in his line of sight. These are, uh, they're two models, Julia Rose and Lauren Summer. And apparently that this was an intentional thing. There, there's some, they're promoting themselves or their business yeah. or whatever. And it's and I think uh, I think the Julia Rose one too. She she's owning it up. I mean, she oh. showed like the letter that she received from Major League Baseball. I'm not sure if that's been verified. Oh, oh no, she, she she's from, been banned for life. Yeah. That's what she says. Yeah, she's she's got this thing sent out saying that uh, got this letter saying on October 27th you attended World Series Game Five at Nationals Park in Washington D.C. It was from David Thomas, the Vice President of Security. 
Um, during the game, you violated the fan code of conduct by exposing yourself during the seventh inning in order to promote a business. You were also part of a scheme in which you induced others to expose themselves and promote the business. You're hereby banned from all Major League Baseball stadiums and facilities indefinitely. Go, Tough punishment. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, they were uh, wearing yellow T-shirts behind home plate, and, um, you know, they, they, they did that. Um, apparently, there was a third woman as well who flashed the star pitcher. Okay, but but here's see here's the interesting deal about this. The truth is that was one of the most exciting things that happened in that particular baseball game, which is where I I want to lead off with. This is um, this particular World Series. It's been okay. The first game, the Nationals won five to four. Otherwise, the games really haven't been competitive. Nationals twelve to three, and then Astros four to one, but that was kind of a dog of a game. Eight to one, seven to one. So this hasn't been, with the exception of the first game, that this hasn't been close, tight games. They have been, in general, they have been boring games. On top of the games being boring, they have been long. Game one, okay, they played five games. Game one, five to four took three hours and 43 minutes. Game two, 12 to three, four hours and one minute. Four hours. Game three, which was a four to one. It's not even like it's this like high scoring game. Game three, four to one, took four hours and three minutes. It is, the, the mind reels backwards. Game four, Astros eight, Nationals one. That took three hours and 48 minutes. Damn near four hours. Yesterday's three hours and 19 minutes. So yesterday's was played a little bit quicker. But almost the other four, two of them took more than four hours, and the other two almost took four hours. Now, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I leave the X's and O's to the sports guys on ESPN and things like that. I am a fan. And I am a baseball, I'm a baseball fan. But I will tell you, I have watched almost none of the World Series. And it, it's not because I have a strong, probably because I don't have a real, I don't really care who wins this one. It's not like I have a strong feeling to root for either team, or it's not like I really don't like either team. But I I will tell you, I mean, you can play a football game. You can play a Sunday night football game in less than four hours. I was in Las Vegas a couple years ago, and I was having a drink at a bar with a couple people from England. And, And we were talking about college football and pro football. And one of the things they said is that, you know, you Americans, you, I always love it when we kind of get lumped in this category. You Americans, you know, you, you are so, you talk about how boring soccer is and things like that. Okay. Soccer, where the clock runs continuously, two 45 minute halves, a 15 minute, you know, halftime, a soccer game, it's going to be two hours, and, and you're you're done. It is two hours. Meanwhile, college football with the endless replays, regular football, and now baseball, I think four hours is just way too long. Kids can't watch it. I mean, the, look, maybe if it's your team and, and you don't care about it, that, that's fine. You live and die on every pitch. But as a general rule, it is absurd 
that it takes four hours to play a, a World Series baseball game. And you look at you, you look at the stands, even for the World Series games. It, it's they're they're a third empty. People leaving these games because it you know part of it is again the home team's losing, but part of it is these things just last so darn long. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this is a huge problem for baseball moving forward. The World Series is your signature event. It's not like it's a 16-inning game. Okay, maybe you understand four hours there. But four hours for a typical 4-to-1, 8-to-1 ball game is crazy. And unless the people that run baseball figure out a way to speed up the game, in meaningful fashions, I think it's going to kill this game moving forward. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Dave in Oak Creek. Dave, you're first. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What do you think? Um, now, you, here's the two things you have to look at to determine the length of a baseball game. Uh, what you have to do is look at and add up the total number of pitches thrown. If there's a lot more pitches being thrown then you are going to have a longer game. But also what I think contributes to a longer game is how many times they take breaks and how much is dedicated, in other words, in minutes, to advertise. Yeah, they added, my understanding is each half inning they've added almost an extra minute of advertising. Normally the breaks are like two minutes and five seconds. To, to build in extra advertisers, they've gone up to like two minutes and 55. So almost an extra minute okay. of commercials. Yep. Okay, and that adds up. Yep. But like I said, you know, when you have two world-class teams, world-class teams revolve around pitching, and you're going to have higher number of pitch counts. And uh, Okay, but let's talk about big picture. Would you, would you agree with me that for the casual fan, four hours is just too darn long for them to hold their attention? Yes. Okay. Unless and that, you're a pitching fanatic. Yeah, right. I, or right. your person that loves watching the game and really appreciates yeah. excellent pitching, yeah. now you're you're in love. Right, but that's not, I mean, thanks, but see, I guess that's my, that that's not the majority of people. You, you It's the World Series, you're, you're and, and you're not a diehard Astro fan, you're not a diehard National fan, but you sit down, it's the World Series, you sit down with your kids because you like baseball, you want them to understand baseball, well, okay, Four hours, you, you, it can't hold anybody's attention. And I mean, I see this at the Brewers games. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, you, you go, I go to a lot of Brewers games. I'm a huge Brewers fan, okay? But you go, the game starts at seven o'clock on a Tuesday night, and it's the night, it's, it starts at seven or seven ten, and nine thirty, they're in the fifth inning. And I see all these folks, they're taking their little kids that they brought to the game. They're asleep. They're taking them. They can't stay awake. They, They've got to figure out a way to move, to speed up the game. And some people say, well, how fast do you want it? Well, I don't know, but four hours is nuts. You people, that, my guess is the Packers Chiefs 31 to 24 game didn't take four hours. I got to go look at it, but off the top of my head, my guess is it didn't. And that includes the halftime. Let's talk to Josh on the South Side. Hi, Josh. Oh, you hit the tip of the iceberg, though. Baseball's in big trouble. Not only is it, I don't know how I watched it. I, as a kid, I find it so boring now, I can't even watch. Um, they have no marketing either. You, I, all these great pitchers. I was arguing with friends. I couldn't name them. The average person couldn't name uh, half the baseball players, but they can name football players and yep. basketball players. So yeah. that, that's one issue. Um, I, the next generation, 
all the faults of pro basketball, which I like, is becoming more popular because they move and it's fast and right. it's marketed. And you go to college basketball games, some of those games, Jeff, are tied time them are about less than two hours. Yeah, it, right. You and, and which is the perfect for my attention. You know, I, I go to I've got Marquette season tickets. You know, and and you you know pretty much how long your time commitment is is going to be you know okay you could go out to dinner beforehand it's going to be the game starts at seven o'clock it's going to be over by nine i'm going to be home by ten you know that kind of stuff i I have to ask like like i said the nba is quick and fast why is there a bullpen if the pitcher comes out and still takes a few more pitches that doesn't make any sense they waste so much time i know thanks i mean i agree with you now look i i don't I don't claim to be smart enough to figure out what the problem is. I have all sorts of things that I would suggest to, to knock off time without changing the character of the game. But, I mean, okay, the, the game the other night, it, it four hours long, and it was four to one. There's just no way in God's green earth that a four-hour, a four-to-one game should take four hours. And I understand it's the World Series and things are important. But from the perspective of marketing and fans and attention, it can't – if it's that long, it can't hold people's attention unless you are that hardcore fan. But the problem is, if you're trying to grow the game, hardcore fans, you know, aren't aren't going to do it. I mean, that that's not enough. Joe on the north side. Hi, Joe. Hi. How's it going? Good. Okay. Am I on? Am I onto something here? I mean, four hours for a game. Oh, I've been doing this for years. I I won't even leave the house for a seven o'clock game. I won't even leave the house till 7 o'clock. Then I'll park in the VA center and take a nice, you know, 15, 20-minute walk, depending where my seats are. Right. And, yeah, and then I'll get my soda. By the time I'm sitting down, it's about 8 o'clock, and I get to watch two hours, and I get to see the end of the game. Yeah. That's all I want to see. That's all I need. Yeah, it, and it's it's just – right. I mean, thanks for calling. It, and it's just – it's one of those things where every once in a while you go to one of these games, and, and they can play quickly if they want I mean, every once in a while you go to these games and you go, my gosh, it's two hours and 15 minutes and the game is over. And you go, wow, that just shows that, you know, when there's a determination to play. And, and there's all sorts of things that are going on. And like I say, I, I'll let smarter people than me figure out what that is. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, th- these games, four hours. Okay, we collectively as Americans don't have that kind of attention span, especially when the game is as slow as it is. And I say that lovingly, but there's just all this time. There's the 30 seconds between pitches and things like that, and there's the foul balls and all. That's If you're trying to appeal to a generation that's grown up on, on video games and on like channel surfing and things like that, you're, you're, you're losing those people. I mean, I don't know who's watching. I mean, the World Series, these numbers so far are, are the worst ever. I think part of it is because, again, that you just can't stay. You can't watch these things for four hours long. And if the powers that be in baseball don't recognize that, well, they, they better. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. I have a lot to say about this next story, but I'm I, 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 there's I, I'm going to wait until a little bit more information comes out. Um, you know, of course the the horrible story from what on on what was it last Thursday was where you, you had the, the six year old who was was killed and the the his the two other children who were 
injured. The six-year-old girl and her sister and her cousin are still you know, fighting for their life. This was the deal where they're, they're crossing the street with the light. And what happens is you have this car that comes upon him. And there's other cars that are apparently there waiting. What the car does is decides to try to swerve around cars at a red light. This is 530 at night, so it's still light. Swerves around cars at a red light on like 22nd and center. Goes through the intersection, plows through the intersection, and hits these kids. This car drove into a bunch of kids. And then, of course, the car flees, leaves the scene. Police announced on Friday that they had had arrested one person and they were looking for others and they had recovered the car. And there's been a number appropriately of press conferences and public officials who are just fed up to hear talking about how they want more state help with things to curb reckless driving, stuff that I, I, by the way, agree with. But I... I have some, so at least as far as I can tell, and I've been trying to check repeatedly during the course of the morning and the program, so far the, the criminal complaint has not been made public. I don't know if the guys, if the people, I say guys, if the people responsible for driving the automobile, I, I don't know that there's been the formal charges yet. They've been arrested. They're in custody. That means the criminal complaint should be coming out relatively soon. I am fast. I, I want to see who it was that did this, and I want to see what their criminal record was. And again, it's one of those deals. I want to see if the car was stolen. I I have a number of questions about the facts that kind of inform what I want to say here. But I I have some very, very strong feelings about it, including the fact that when we have one of these tragedies, everybody talks about we need to get tougher on reckless driving, et cetera, et cetera. But then when the metal meets the meat, Unfortunately, a lot of times we don't have the guts, I'll use that word instead of another word, to actually do that because that means we're going to be incarcerating too many of this type of person or that type of person or whatever. So I want to wait and see the person or people responsible for hitting and killing the six-year-old girl and injuring these other kids and then driving off. Was it their first time at the rodeo? Or was this just part of a, of a pattern? Should they have been driving in the first place? And that's going to inform some of the things I'm going to have to say. But trust me, um, as soon as that comes out, that, that's going to be like one of our lead topics, whether it's tomorrow or Wednesday, probably tomorrow, because my guess is the criminal charges are going to be coming out today. Just It's, it's just a tragedy. It's just a tragedy, but it demonstrates um, you, you, just, you, you, you can't cross streets. You can't drive your cars anymore. It's just flat out not safe. Last night, I-43 in Good Hope for what, like the third time in a matter of weeks, you had the freeway closed because there were shots fired and you had the sheriff's deputies out there looking for guns, for uh, bullet casings and things like that. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And it doesn't no matter, seem to matter where you go in Milwaukee County, you cannot avoid it. And I keep waiting for officials to try to get a handle on it. I've got some suggestions as to how they could do it, but that's not the way justice is moving nowadays. Now we're more into let's not hold people accountable, to which I say I don't think that's working. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, I'm fascinated by this next story, and my question is going to be, she's wrong, but is this overkill? 
The, the woman's name is Samantha Louise Ely. She's 38 years old. She lives in Fort Worth. She has now been nicknamed Swing Set Student, Swing Set Susan, because of something that happened about a week and a half ago. Perhaps you have seen a clip on this because this is one of these Internet clips that has gone viral. Okay, here, here's, here's the deal. She's got her kid at a children's, a public children's park in the Fort Worth area. And it's it's really a park that's designed for little kids, you know, slides and jungle gyms and swing sets and things like that. As a matter of fact, on one of the swing sets, there's something that there's a, a thing that says this is intended to use for use but for people between the ages of five and 12. I mean, so it's 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 a kid's and I say kids, I mean a young kid's park. So you've got all these teenagers that are are hanging around the, the park. And for whatever it's worth, she is white, the kids are Hispanic, okay, to the extent that that, that informs this. I, I don't know. But, but here's the deal. You've got four of these teenage girls, and you can see this all in the video. The video's about a minute long, maybe a little longer. There's four of these teenage girls, and they're, they're big girls. And they're at the swing set, and they're... One of the swings is kind of like a it's kind of like a life raft almost, and there's one of the girls who is clearly I mean looks like she's 16 years old, okay, yeah. and she's swinging, and the other two or three are like pushing her, okay. So so that's it, and there's little kids around. It doesn't look to me like they are. It is age appropriate, but you know they're there. So the, this lady comes running up to these kids who are these teenagers who are swinging back and forth. And, what you know, what she says is she she puts her palm on the large orange swing, stopping its momentum, and says that this stuff is for children, to which, you know, the, the teenagers, now again, these are, they're, they're 16 or 17 years old, and they look like they're 16 or 17 years old. They say, well, we're, we are children. To which the lady then says, "No, you're not. You're not children like this." All right, and so then the kids kind of like laugh at her. At which point in time, she says that she's in law enforcement. She says, "Okay, well, I'm blank PD, so get the blank out of here now. You're not here to play as a child." And then she she kind of points at them. Then the other girl says, "Well, I'm 16 years old, and..." Then swing set Susan says that that's not a child's age. And, you know, I I could arrest you. You know, what's your choice? Are you a child or you are a blankety blank adult? At that point in time, the, the kids end up leaving. OK, so this this then goes viral, gets viewed. And again, the, the girls, the teenage girls are Hispanic. So you've got the racial component to this. The Fort Worth Police Department says, OK, she's. She's not an, a police officer and that we're investigating the incident. And then apparently what they decide to do is they decide that they're going to charge her with impersonating an officer. Um, she was held in custody for on a $4,000 bond. If she's found guilty of impersonating a public servant, she could face up to $10,000 in fines and 10 years of incarceration. So you got the story here. She's there with her kid. And you've got these 
these teenagers who are playing on the swing sets, and it's a children's park. So she says, you're not supposed to be here. This is for kids. They say, well, we are kids. Says, no, 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 that, that's not right. And then she says, I'm, I'm, I'm PD, and you know, you, you've got to leave. And then they ultimately leave. All right. She's now looking at 10 years in prison. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Is this an overreaction? How should this turn out? Was she wrong in confronting the kids in the first place who probably really shouldn't have been playing on the swing sets? Was she wrong to get in their face? Was Did she commit a crime when she said, I'm, I'm PD? Should she be prosecuted for that? How should the story of swing set Susan work out? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this something that we also have to view through the prism of race? Because like I say, she's a 38-year-old white woman. These are Hispanic teenagers. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What should happen here in the real world? I will tell you my conclusion, and we'll discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. And I am fascinated to hear your reaction to this. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Okay, let's start with the text first. Uh, Jeff, she was wrong. She should be fined. No, she shouldn't be prosecuted. If she was really upset, she should have called the real police. What do you do with swing set Susan? Mark in Kenosha. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Okay. How would you handle this? You know, I'm behind her 100% for for telling kids off because I guarantee you they shouldn't have been doing what they were doing. We all know that. Right. But she crossed the line when she decided to say, I'm with the police department. Last I checked, that was illegal for a reason. And, you know, it's a a slightly different circumstance but there are people that pretend to be officers and then they pull people over late at night with the lights on their car and stuff right and it's no different than that okay well let me stop you there is it is it you're right i mean she's not a police officer but it's not like she pulled somebody over or pulled out a badge she's just trying to get these kids to leave so she says i'm i'm pd And, and she was wrong but is that the same as dressing up like a cop and pulling somebody over is that really the same? I, I think I think it's equally dangerous because we don't get to decide where you draw the line when it comes to the law. Mm-hmm. It's illegal for a reason because it's dangerous to her and dangerous to other people. If, if this time it's kids on a swing, next time it's going to be she's having a road rage incident and she leans out the window and says, "I'm a cop. You better right. listen to me." Right. It's so she is clearly right. So I'm I'm with you that she is clearly in the wrong with, you know, by by representing herself or saying, "I'm I'm PD and you can be arrested." I guess my question then would be, right, right now she's looking at at felonies. Do you put her in do you do you prosecute her and put her in prison for doing this? I think you have to. And the only reason being is because if you don't do it this time, then every Joe Schmo is out there is going to say, "Oh, well, you can just say okay. people to do what you want." And well, and we have a big issue in this country with people not 
facing the repercussions of breaking the law. We, we somehow feel that we're above the law and that it's a matter of opinion. And to be quite frank, I can't understand how you can sit there and ask, well, should she be charged in that when it's so clear cut and dry of a case? Well, because I mean, I'll tell you how I can ask that question, because there's all sorts of things that you use discretion and common sense and you try to figure out what is the appropriate resolution. Do you treat a lady who did this the same way you treat, I don't know, the, the guy that, again, is dressed up as the cop and is pulling people over, you know, with, with the fake lights at 2 o'clock in the morning? Is that the, the same Is that the same thing, and does it deserve the same degree of, of penalty? And I guess my answer would be no. Is she in the wrong? Absolutely. There, there's no question about it. I, I think underlying, she's, I think she's probably in the right because the kids shouldn't have been there. What do you do in a situation like that? You tell them to leave. If they don't, you you call the police or you call whoever the park authorities are. That that that's that's what you do. You don't you don't say I'm I'm PD when you're not. So she's in the wrong there. But is this really a ten year felony? And seriously, do, do you put the, are we going to really put people like this in prison? Is that the purpose of that? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Carol and Franklin. Hi, Carol. You're on WTMJ. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you do with uh, Swing Set Susan? So I'm a retired law enforcement officer. And first of all, we all know that's against the law. You right. can't say you're a law enforcement officer. Right. Second of all, she really wanted these kids to leave. She should have called the police. Agree with and you? the police would have showed up and told her, we can't make these kids leave because it's a public perk. Should she be prosecuted? She should go through the motions in such a scared straight program that she never does this again. Mm-hmm. Probably the judge is going to say, we're not going to prosecute you. We may fine you, yep. but we're not going to prosecute you. And maybe that'll scare her a little straight not to do this again. Right. No, see, and I see, and, and Carol, that, that, see, to me, some variation of that is the common sense thing. Well, here, here's a text. Jeff, in the case of the swing set saga, I think common sense should prevail. I think the woman was wrong to use expletive deleted. She was fine in pointing out that the teenagers were age inappropriate. However, all she had to do was point out the sign that apparently was posted saying it was for five to 12 year olds. I think the police should give her a warning or a citation. See, I agree. To me, okay, you give her a ticket for disorderly conduct or something for what she did, warn her of the consequences should she do it again. Then the texter says, I think it's ridiculous for them to prosecute her. Um, I don't think it's a racial issue because there was no reference to anyone's race. Yeah, that, that, but I mean, of course, that's what, that's what I think colors everything that ends up happening. But I, I would agree. If, if this were a situation with me, it's not like she pulled out a badge. It's not like she pulled out a gun. She's clearly upset. I give her a disorderly conduct citation and I tell her, look, you gotta, if you think that there's a problem here, what you have to do is you have to call the appropriate authorities. To me, it's not, does there have to be consequences? Yeah. But it, it's sort of like, you know, we, we we talk about with like the Madison School District and the use of the N word. I mean, it's, it's they fire everybody for using the N word, regardless of the context at at all. David and Eagle, hi, David. You're on WTMJ. Hey, how's it going, Jeff? Real well, thank you. Okay, uh, what do you do with this gal? Well, I first of all, I want to say, like I told your uh, screener, I had in 2017, I had my youngest brother died of heroin, and. They found the people that he got the heroin from, and they were only sentenced just recently to six years. And 
I just find it hard to sentence somebody to 10 years for what she did when you have somebody selling drugs that takes somebody's life and they only yeah. did six years. Um, yes, she should have handled it differently. She yep. should have pointed at the sign and said, yep. hey, you're definitely too old to be on these swings. I mean, we live in a day and age where you have cameras on your phone. She could have videotaped yep. them. It's public knowledge. They're out in the public, so she could have videotaped it took it to the police and said, hey, can you keep an eye on these kids? They're going on the swings and they're not supposed to be. However, there's a million and one ways she could have handled it yep. differently. Not saying that something shouldn't happen to her, but 10 years in prison, I think that's a little overdoing it. Well, right. And I guess, see, that's how I look at, at this, too. It's not condoning, you know, the, the bad behavior, but it, it's exercising a degree of, of common sense in applying it. And I understand there's some people are going to want to see this along racial lines and things like that. Well, what do you mean? You've got a 38-year-old white woman and you don't think she should face all the consequences. Well, well I, I think there's a difference to me between, again, having a fake badge and a gun and pulling somebody over and representing that you're a police officer as opposed to this, which is a plague, an encounter on the playground, and she's trying to get the kid's attention. Should she have said that? No. Is she in the wrong? Of course she's in the wrong. There's no doubt about it. But, but okay, because she says I'm PD, people want to put her in jail for five or ten years? I mean, seriously? At some point in time, don't we have to have this kind of degree of common sense that says, all right, okay, what did she really do? What is the problem here? Yes, she was wrong. Let's figure this out. Let's make sure that she pays a penalty so there's some degree of consequence, and let's make sure that whoever it does you know, stops her from doing this again. But it's not like she pulled out a gun and a badge and started waving it around and shooting people and handcuffing people. She said, you got to leave here. I'm, I'm PD. She was wrong to say that. But come on. I mean, come on. We, we have to have some degree of common sense as we apply this. Uh, the sw- saga of Swing Set Susan, who knows? My guess is... Once this gets to the prosecutor's office, they'll probably resolve it more along the lines of what I'm talking about. Give her a disorderly conduct citation, have her pay a fine, tell her not to do it again, ask her to apologize. And then next time you see these kids on the swing set, call the police and let the authorities handle it. Hey, big news. After a several week absence, my pod mate, guy that sits next to me. He is back. We are glad to have John McCure back from his travels. We'll get his stories from the road, find out what else he's got coming up on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. So stick around. John is in in just a couple minutes.